Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, let's just take a seat, uh, take out your Bible, and go to the book of 2 Timothy. Um, as we've done with a few books now, what we're going to do this morning is I'll spend a little bit of time um, introducing us to this, and then um, we're just going to read it. So I'd invite you to follow along in, in your copy of Scripture. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, so if you're, if you're pulling that up digitally uh, through the, the YouVersion app or something like that, um, that, that's the translation I'm reading out of, it's Christian Standard Bible. Um, but we, we do this, I like to do this from time to time, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, we believe that, that the Bible is God's word to us. We believe this is, this is his uh, perfect, uh, inspired, uh, holy word to us, and, and that, it, that it's sufficient for us to know about life, about faith, about how we're to interact uh, with with Christ and how we can come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, who we are as, as sinners separated from God before we come to, to faith in Christ. We come to know God's, God's plan for uh, our lives. We, we see uh, e- even why our world is in such a mess that, that it's in. I believe the Bible tells us that, that, that God in the beginning created everything good and, and people, uh, men and women through, through Adam and Eve, rebelled against God, and that fractured God's creation. And now, uh, apart from Christ, we live in a state of rebellion against God. And even, as, as we talked in our Sunday school class this morning, even as, as followers of Christ, we still have some of that rebellion in us, right? Like, as we talked this morning just about, uh, about signs and about rules, where, where you would see like a do not enter, and, and there's a part of us that wants to go, what are they hiding from me back there? If you go into a store and there's an employees only, like you wonder what kind of magical land exists beyond those doors. Now, I've worked retail. I can tell you it's not that exciting. More than likely, it's what, what's back there, right? It's not, it's not Willy Wonka's chocolate factory when you go back through those doors. Um, but but there's, a, there's a curiosity, I think, that God placed in us, which has led to some good things, right? It causes us to ask questions about life. It's... it's uh, we, we've learned some incredible things about our universe, about, about the way even that, that, our, that our bodies work, the way God designed uh, us biologically. But when, when coupled with a fallen nature, like we, we just have a tendency to say, well, well, this sign is there, this barrier is there. There must be some kind of fun on the other side of that that, 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 that we're being kept from. And, and so we would simply say that God, God's Word has given us rules and regulations and, and even um, guidelines for how to live, not because God wants to uh, steal our joy, not because He's hiding something from us, but because He's designed us to experience real, true, lasting joy in the boundaries that, that He's set up. And, and we come to know those through God's Word. And so beginning, I say last fall, really, I think we started 1 Timothy back in July. And we were in, we were in 1 Timothy from July all the way up until Thanksgiving, if memory serves me correctly. And, and the reason that I, that, I, that I wanted us to walk through 1 Timothy and now this spring, 2 Timothy and Titus, is because these were written from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, um, as, as a pastor at a church, 
And so we, th- these have kind of traditionally been called the pastoral letters because it's, it's Paul writing to uh, Timothy, whom he calls his son in the faith, who is uh, a pastor or, or an elder, maybe what we would recognize as, as kind of a lead pastor role in, uh, in the church at Ephesus. And Timothy's a, a young man, maybe in his, in his mid-30s, maybe 40 or so, and, and he's dealing with some issues in this church in Ephesus. And so Paul is simply giving him some wisdom, some guidance in, in how to deal with these. Um, personally, I, I've always been drawn to the, uh, to, to the, the pastoral letters. Uh, I think now because of where I am, because I'm a, I'm a mid-30s pastor of a church. So when, when I read Paul, his, his words and encouragement to Timothy, that, that resonates with where I am. And, and for a long time, I think it was in my mind that, that these applied to me, but they didn't apply to, to the churches until it finally dawned on me, well, if these apply to me as the pastor, it applies to us in, in the church. Because for one thing, this is going to tell you and tell me what my job is as pastor. It's also going to tell us how we are to live with one another in this covenant community that we call a local church. And especially as we are right in the thick of things right now about uh, the, the, so the beginning of March, first Sunday of March, will be three years since, since my family and I moved here. And uh, now that we're right in the middle of this thing that we call church revitalization, seeing, seeing this church turn around, uh, I think is a good time to, to take a look at these letters and to what Paul would say on, on even things like leadership structures, which, I mean, maybe that doesn't cause an excitement to come up in you when we start talking about elders and deacons. Uh, but, and yet, the Bible would tell us that there are certain guidelines for those leadership structures within a local church. How to deal with issues and, and factions and disagreements in the church. Now, now, I know obviously we're the exception to that, right? That there would never be a disagreement, there would, right? No. Listen, if you, you know, there, there's a joke that if you, have, if you have two Baptists in a room, you have at least three opinions, right? So, uh, no, we as people will disagree, and, and, and these letters would, would tell us how to disagree with one another graciously. It would also tell us, I, I think the Bible would tell us that, that there, are, there are certain hills that, that we should die on, right? That we should like, be willing to plant our flag and, and say, uh, this is where we're standing and we shall not be moved. But I think it would also say that the color of the carpet's probably not one of those hills that we should be willing to die on. Right? So doctrinal issues, yes, absolutely. You know, facility uses, and no, no, no not, not so much, right? So we want to make sure that we keep, we keep things in perspective about the things that matter, the things that, that matter for eternity, and those that, that if we're honest, uh, will change over time anyway, right? And we want to make sure that we don't, we don't give temporal things um, eternal significance and overlook eternal things because of, of temporal things. So the, the Bible just has a way of refocusing us where we need to be. And, and so like I said, I, I, I like to, at least in shorter uh, books, shorter letters, to read it in its entirety as we, as we get ready to dive in. Um, as I've said before, we will not do that with everything Okay, if, if ever I preach like through Psalms, we're not going to sit down and read all 150 Psalms. If you were here on a Wednesday night, we, we read through all of Psalm 119 before we started breaking that down each week. Um, Psalm 119, just that chapter is longer than, than the entire letter of, of 2 Timothy. Um, same thing, like if, like if I decided to preach through Leviticus, um, if, if the Lord so led and I said, yes, Lord, that's where I'm going to preach, I'm not going to sit here and read Leviticus like start to, top to bottom, right? We're not going to take two hours to do that. But one of the nice things about these, these shorter letters is we can, uh, we, we can do that and, and really get the 30,000-foot the view 
of where Paul's going with this uh, before we begin to break it down in its, in its smaller chunks. Because I think one of the dangers that we get into sometimes in, in evangelicalism is we'll, we're, we're really good at memorizing verses historically. Okay? We've been really good at memorizing verses, but, but we don't always put those verses in, in the exact context in which they go. Right? So that's why you'll, you'll wind up with somebody taking uh, like Habakkuk 1.5, for instance, which says, uh, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your day that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. I mean, that sounds like, hey, that's an awesome verse to just like take and let's slap it on t-shirts and coffee mugs and youth camp themes. The problem is the thing that God's going to do that, he, that no one would believe even if he told them is he's about to destroy his people. Okay. So if you read that out, like that's not really an ideal verse for a camp theme, right? Look, at, look and watch and be amazed. What are you going to do, Lord? I'm going to destroy you all. Awesome, right? That's, that's not quite. So, so context matters, and that's, that's why we like to read things in context, all right? So uh, a lot of times we would stand while we read. I'm not going to have you do that this, this morning. Um, so I, I, would, I would invite you to turn in the Bible and follow along with me. Let's pray and, and ask the Lord just to bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of your word. The the fact that you would extend the grace to us to have men write down what you've said. And I thank you for the way that you have preserved your word over the past 2,000 years. That just as it promises, it is living and active even today. So will you open our eyes to see the the way that this ancient book still speaks even now in 2019. And even though we're on the other side of the world from, from where these words were originally written, they still change hearts and they change minds today. That your word is still sufficient to open our eyes to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. To move us from death to life. So this morning, will you simply take your word? May it not return void. Let's ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Really quickly, 2 Timothy is, 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 I think, uniquely interesting to us because this is Paul's, more than likely Paul's last letter, and it's written to a very dear friend, uh, Timothy, whom he calls, Paul, whom Paul calls his son in the faith. So this is, uh, Paul realizes he's coming to the end of his life. He can, he can read the writing on the wall as he's in Rome that, that his life is about to come to end through, uh, through martyrdom, through persecution. And so he is sending this letter to Timothy as his final farewell, a final word. What would he say to Timothy in the last communication that they would perhaps ever have? And so for us, we need to read this with that end in mind. This ends with Paul realizing his life's coming to an end. And and we know from history that ultimately he was beheaded at at the hands of of Caesar in, uh, in Rome. And, and so that's, if there's a weightiness to this book that was not in 1 Timothy, that's why. Because Paul realizes his life is coming to an end. And, and for me, that, that, that's kind of made me step back and say, what, what would my like, final letter be if I knew that, I, that, that things were coming to an end relatively soon? Uh, how, how would I live and how would I uh, 
right to those that were, that were dearest to me. That's where Paul is this morning. So let's begin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he, he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day. You know very well how he ministered, how much he ministered at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. 
If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch. Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy, you who have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God 
and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself, because he strongly opposed our words. At my first offense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the Lord's mouth, from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prissa and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus has remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. I'm so excited to dive into this book over the next couple of months and then Titus as we close out the spring. Um, and, and again, when we get to Titus, we'll do the same thing. We'll read that, that short book, the three chapters um, in, in full as we dive in there. My prayer is that the Lord will continue shaping us and molding us into the people, to the men and women and children that he wants us to be. But also that he'll take his word and he'll mold us and shape us into the church that he wants us to be, that continues to be a lighthouse for the gospel right here in Alamogordo and a place that sees men and women and children turning from sin and trusting in Christ. 
So let's pray with the old revivalist. Lord, start a revival and let it begin in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you for the gifts of our minds, the gifts of our intellects that we can read and understand your word. For the gift of our spirit that that we can feel your word speaking to us. For, For us as believers, the gift of the Holy Spirit opening our our spiritual eyes to see things that we haven't seen before. That, That your word is good for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training us in righteousness. That we, each one of us, may be mature believers, that we may be equipped for every good work that you have for us. We claim that promise that that as we read your word, as we hear your word proclaimed, it would change us. And as we're changed by the power of the gospel, we pray we would share that and, and the power of the gospel would change those around us. Will you use your word and do with it what only you can do? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.